Hey, podcast family. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And we're super excited that you've taken time out of your schedule to join us. For all you moms out there, welcome and thank you. We know that this has been a hard season for us, and so I can only imagine how hard it's been for you. Today, Tara and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the pains in our journey. Yeah. Let's talk about this thing that has been branded the momposter syndrome. Momposter syndrome. Momposter syndrome. Okay. They come up with words for everything now. They do. And and that's an odd little rebrand of imposter syndrome, right? That started a couple of years ago. I started hearing about that. And now it's momposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think initially the imposter syndrome came up in the professional realm, in the professional yeah. space, where people were just feeling like they were trying to fake it until you make it. Right. And now with parenting, it's come across where it happens kind of all the time to all of us, mm-hmm. where we feel as though we're not living up to other people's expectations or even our own expectations. Yeah, there's this discrepancy between um, how it might really look to you on the inside and what you're supposed to be showing on the outside. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said earlier, you know, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. That was the phrase that I was always taught. And that's a phrase that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you something. It's a big phrase in recovery circles. <laughs> is it really? It is, yeah. I didn't know a that. A little different context. But yeah, that's one of the big ones when you first kind of get into recovery. They're like, fake it till you make it. So how so? In what context? Um, you know, when I first got into recovery, it's all just very foreign. And there's this work that I was asked to do. And you know me, I always want to do it just right. I want to get the all A's and understand it. And and sometimes you just have to go through the motions, even if you don't fully understand what the outcome is going to be or what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And so you just kind of just do it anyway, right? Kind of fake it till you make it. Just do it anyway. Just do it anyway. And that's kind of what it means there. Do you use that in your motherhood journey? Um, You know, I don't know if I've ever consciously used that, but I probably do kind of say to myself like, you know what? I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen. So let's just let's just go with it. Let's do the next right thing, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I found that so far this year, the momposter syndrome or feeling like an imposter has just been amplified yeah. by living in the pandemic, because I've seen all of these other mothers kind of tend to find a space to thrive in parenting. It seems like people have been doing a lot and they've been taking on a lot and they've been able to pivot successfully with that. And I love to think that I also have been able to do that. Yes. But I don't think I have. I Yes, I understand what you're saying. Are you saying you understand? Are you saying I agree, Kanji, you have it? No, no, no. (laughs) I would never presume to tell you what you're doing. I think you're doing fantastic. And I love that you say that. But I've also felt like, you know, I'm not. And here, here's something for, for you to know, family, the last couple of times that Tara has come over here, she's come over to record during dinner time. Mm-hmm. And for me, when she's come over to record during dinner time, dinner time for my son has been ramen noodles. <laughs> and not the fancy ramen that you can get mm-hmm. from a wonderful restaurant with DoorDash. Yep. It's the OG, OG package out of the, the 35 pantry. cents a package that we lived on in college, right? <laughs> yes. And for the record, I have, I'm all about it. I've offered to even eat a bowl with you guys. I got no problems. <laughs> but we've seen other parents kind of 
cook home cooked meals right. every night. And and there's this feeling sometimes that I'm just not doing it right. Yes. And we talked about this earlier in 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 um in a very, very early episode during our podcast series about the mom guilt. Yes. And I think that the imposter syndrome is a companion piece to that mm-hmm. because we so often have positive role models or images to look to that show us that we can do everything. We could bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, right, you know, and right. that was what we grew up with. Yeah. The, what was that? That was the product. It was bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, never forget your man. I'm a woman. Oh, God. It was yeah. like a perfume. Yes. Oh, what was that? Oh, it's going to make me nuts. I'll okay. have to look it up later. Yeah, we'll get so, back to you guys on that. <laughs> or if you know what it is, yeah. please let Tell us know. Us. Tell yeah, us. But I do remember that. Like, I can bring in the bacon and fry it up in a pan. Some, I don't know where it came from, though. I yeah, can't remember. I remember the commercial. Yes. But that's kind of what an image is. It's like we're supposed to be able to do it all and have it all. Yeah. And what the pandemic has shown us this year is a lot of times women aren't able to do it all. Correct. This year, we've had over 1 million women leave the workforce. Leave the workforce. In September alone, over 800,000 women had to make the difficult decision to abandon jobs and careers because of issues related to the pandemic, either a lack of childcare Mm -hmm. or concerns for the health and well-being of themselves and their family members. Mm -hmm. And we leave workforces at the rates that are so much higher than men. I mean, it's more than double. Yeah. It's really incredible. It's astounding, these numbers we're seeing. Have you encountered it either in your work life or with any of the friends that you've had? Have they made the decision to step away or step back? Um, thinking through, I know some friends that have had to leave the workforce. There's been furloughs. There's been layoffs, um, things like that. I don't think I know anybody that has voluntarily decided to leave uh, in order to kind of manage their home life. But I do know people that have had to leave for losing their jobs. Yeah. Yes. So what is it that they have done when they have left? Has it been that they've looked for other opportunities or have they just stayed at home? Well, yeah, I guess that is the interesting piece of it because uh, most of them have stayed at home for several reasons. You know, one reason being if they were furloughed or laid off of the job they had, then it's likely that any job they were looking for probably isn't available currently, right? right? So there's that. And then I know a few of them were like, well, at this point, it's just easier if I just stay home and make sure the kids are taken care of and we can do school at home and and we'll just figure it out right now. I'll just, uh, I think it's just easier to do this. So it's been a couple of different ways that decision's been made. And for a lot of women who have these decisions that have been made for them, right? It creates a third type of parenting. You have the working moms, mm-hmm. kind of like you and me. Mm-hmm. Then you have the stay-at-home moms. Yep. And then you have the stuck-at-home moms, <laughs> who this pandemic has created a, a, yeah. a force where women's lives have tended to unravel a little bit at a pace because they've had to make these decisions, like you were saying, Tara, like, do yeah. I stay home or do I not? Uh, you said on another episode Women tend to be the default parent. Correct. And we tend to be the default housekeeper. We tend to be the default chore person Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, when you realize you're in a situation where now everyone's at home Mm -hmm. and someone has to wash these babies, Mm -hmm. someone has to cook the dinner, a lot of it has fallen down on the women. Yes. And when you're looking at 
okay, now if we're able to go back or someone has to go back, but someone still has to stay home, mm-hmm. a lot of times it has been the mom. It has. Yes. It has. And and that's a conversation that I've had with some women in my life who have made the difficult decision to step back from their careers to stay at home mm-hmm. because they're saying, well, this is the best choice for my family right now. Mm-hmm. And so we see that and we see what it looks like. But what we don't see and what we don't know is what the long-term effects or impacts are going to be. Because the women in the workforce, the level has dropped down now to what it was in 1984. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we look and say, well, okay, what's the trajectory or what is it that we are modeling for our kids? Mm-hmm. We've been taught and we've been told that, yeah, you can have it all. You can do it all. Mm-hmm. And 2020 has kind of shown us that maybe we can't. Yeah, or or maybe that not maybe not necessarily that we can't, but that there are still a lot of old ideas about what it's supposed to look like. So that when the feet got put to the fire, we just kind of defaulted back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not that we can't do it all or or aren't able to. It's just that um, there's still this underlying current. I think that when the going gets tough and the choice gets made, mom stays home and dad goes to work. What is it you think that we as moms and we as a society can do to start making that that cultural shift and change that needs to be made? Oh, man, if I knew the answer to that, you <laughs> would be, be that, I would, Oh, I would <laughs> hand over a fist. Um, Put you on the speaker's circle yeah, next to Oprah. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fake it till the mayor, right? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you and I have had some conversations about other old ideas that we've been trying to sort of uncover and relearn as it relates to social justice in this year. Mm-hmm. And one of the places that, you know, when you started Embrace our nonprofit, it one of the places we've talked about it is it has to start within the family. You know, it, it has to start at the, I think at the grassroots level. But I also think there's a responsibility of employers and corporations out there that uh, treat the family unit the same, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've talked about pay disparity. We've talked about how that looks different. I think it starts, you know, one of our guests early on talked about how it almost starts from the beginning. You know, there's maternity leave, but no paternity leave. So it's like automatic that the mom's going to stay home and take care of the new baby. But why can't the dad do it? Too? You know what I mean? Yeah. It all kind of starts from the beginning. There's so many places where that idea permeates, we're just going to have to pick up a part, you know, like one at a time and and ask ourselves, like, why do we automatically assume that mom's going to stay home? Mm -hmm. Why is that the assumption? You know, we all have to ask that question at every level. Yeah. And then diving in a little bit to the pay disparity issue, Mm -hmm. we talk about how women have and are paid less than yes. men for the same jobs. And yes. it's white women are typically paid 82 cents on the dollar for every dollar a white man makes. Mm-hmm. And it's lower than that for Hispanic and also black women. For black women, it's 68 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And I am in a position where it's a role which is previously and mostly held by white men. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm underpaid in the role that I'm in. And I actually asked um, a boss once who who admitted to me that I was significantly underpaid, but Uh then also said it was my fault for coming in too low. Not asking for it. Yeah, not not asking for it or not demanding what I was worth. Right. And I asked, and then there was a a former colleague. And one of the things that I was like, why did this person make so much more than me? And we did the exact same job. Mm -hmm. And his response was, well, he has several children. And he had and he had a wife that stayed at home. And it's like, well, so he's getting a dad premium. Right. So women in the workforce yeah. 
tend to get penalized mm-hmm. if you have kids. Right. Or just penalized in general for being women. Mm-hmm. But men in the workforce kind of get what's called the dad premium. Mm-hmm. They get paid more when they have families because they are supposed to be supporting them. Mm-hmm. And then you think like, what about those single moms? Like I'm a child who had a single mom growing up. Right. Did the employers look at her and say, well, we should probably pay this person more because she's supporting a family? By herself. By herself. Absolutely right. not. No. <laughs> nope. Or make allowances for the single moms because they then have to take care of children. So let's maybe have an idea or a way of having a flexible work schedule mm-hmm. that's going to help and accommodate these people. But it feels as though we're penalized for being moms in the workforce. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before, right? It's like... Uh, it and it cuts both ways. A woman in the workforce is seen a certain way if she doesn't have a family, and she's seen a certain way if she does have a family. Yeah. Like you almost can't win, you yeah. know. So when we peel back the layers to kind of everything that we're discussing, mm-hmm. sometimes it's like I just feel like I'm a fraud. I feel, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just putting it truthfully. Yeah, like I feel like sometimes in the workforce I'm a fraud because I'm not my authentic self. I'm showing up and I'm pretending like this job is more important than my child and my family, Mm -hmm. which it's not. Mm -hmm. But I have to pretend that when I'm there so they they feel like I'm getting my my best my best work product my best self yeah and then when I'm home I'm supposed to be like super mom and I'm able to do all these things and my kid is supposed to think that I I know he's the center of the universe yes right but isn't he though I mean kind of no he's not but he's an only child (laughs) and that's it these are other issues right right bring another episode episode. (laughs) talk about children being the centers of our universe but I I just feel like I'm not able to be the woman that was in the image that commercial in the 1970s who pretty much I'm sure was also like twirling in, around mm-hmm. a beautiful yellow skirt or something. Yeah. And it's like, okay, people can have it all. People are doing it all, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so when you feel like you're an imposter, how are you able to sit with that, mm-hmm. be okay with it and still do life knowing that you're not living up to the best of your abilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll tell you a funny story that just happened last week. This is so on time. I I grew up and I wasn't one of those girls that was like, I can't wait to be a mom and a wife. I was like, I'm not going to get married. I don't think I'm going to have kids. My vision of who I wanted to be when I grew up was Diane Keaton and Baby Boom before she had the baby. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that I was, movie. Yeah. So I was like, Super put together, tailored suits, businesswoman, ball buster, no feelings. This is who, this is who I'm going to be. And there's a lot of reasons for that that only my therapist gets to hear, but that was my vision. And so uh, I tried to be that for a long time. And, you know, things changed and fall in love and get married and have a baby. And even at work, though, I would try to still be that. And I would just sort of compartmentalize and try to be this robot. And so just last week, I had something happen and it rattled me a little bit and I had to go have this big meeting with executives and kind of talk it out. And at one point in the conversation, I got choked up. Like, and I had a little, like, I had to stop for a second because I was going to cry a little bit. I was a little choked up about it. So I had to like swallow it down a little bit. And it went fine and we finished the meeting and I walked out of there and I went back to my desk and I was mortified. I mean, like hot in the face, so mad at myself couldn't believe I let that happen in front of them. So frustrated with myself. And I sat with it for a second 
And what it's kind of what you said. I wouldn't have those feelings if that had happened in front of my friends, if that had happened in front of my family, anywhere else. That is who I am. Yeah. I feel things. I have them, but I'm a human being and I have feelings. But at work, like I was really struggling with myself because I, you know, kind of let it slip a little bit. Mm -hmm. I let that thing slip a little bit. And I had to sit with it and just kind of quietly review what was true and what wasn't true, which is that what is true is that I'm a human. What is not true is that I'm not a robot, mm -hmm. you know, that's not, or that I am a robot, that's not true. And that I'm allowed to have human feelings and human experiences and that, uh, and they can think or not think whatever they want about it. And that the truth is, is they probably didn't think much about it at all. They yeah. know I'm a human. I'm not fooling anyone. <laughs> they don't think I'm a robot. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we put a lot of importance of ourselves on other people. Yes. And we, we tend to let, them occupy space in our head thinking that we do the same. It's like, oh my gosh, what are they thinking about what Correct. I just said and did? Yes. And it's like, spoiler alert, they're not. not. Like, nobody's thinking about you. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> nobody's thinking about what you were thinking or saying. But yeah. we let it kind of fester and sit mm -hmm. with us yeah. for days or weeks, or if you're me, years, years. <laughs> and, and, and for me, it's the point where I had a lot of success in my life in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I haven't really struggled with many things or many areas other than my weight <laughs> for my life, which has kind of been up and down like forever. But that's the one thing that I've struggled with. But when I became a mom in 2009, I realized that that was an area that I was struggling with mm -hmm. a lot. I was older. I was almost 35 years old when I had Roman. And um, I thought that I would be able to get it. Yeah. So many areas. I thought that breastfeeding was going to be easy. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. I had to use um like a, a nipple guard for the entire year I breastfed him. Oh my gosh. I thought that potty training was going to be easy. I thought that sleep training was going to be easy. And every step of the way, it wasn't. Like Roman didn't sleep through the night consistently until he was three years old. Mm -hmm. And he had night terrors and I was suffering and I was struggling. But to the rest of the world, I was like, oh, it's fine. It's great. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I'm a great mom. He's a great kid. Yeah. And I never really let a lot of people in on the fact that I was feeling challenged. Yeah. And I was some nights and some days at a point where I'm like, I just don't know how I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. You know, and then getting dressed and going to work the next day on zero sleep in three days and then trying to put on that face in the workplace. Yeah. It, it got to a point where I was just struggling inwardly and not able to kind of deal with it outwardly because I was afraid of letting people down mm -hmm. or even admitting to myself that I was not, and now clutch your pearls when I say <laughs> this family, perfect. How dare you? <laughs> Our podcast producer was going to like put that, record it, save it, and say yeah. every time he's, we get in anything, he's going to say, remember that time when you said you weren't you perfect? You said you weren't perfect. That one time. <laughs> you, know, you know what I think about though, and this has kind of been my journey with imposter syndrome, both professionally and personally too, is you went into motherhood, and I do this too, with this expectation that even though you had never been a mother before, that you were going to know exactly how to do it. Like well, I was going to crush it. Yeah, like oh, you, yeah. you put this expectation on yourself like, well, clearly I'll know every answer because that's what I expected myself. Because of Claire Constable. <laughs> and if you yes. have not heard that episode, yeah. 
go back from the future and listen to our top five TV moms episode. It's a classic. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. For anyway, uh, yeah, because of Clara. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I have to do for myself a lot when I'm struggling, like sitting at that desk or like when I'm having moments where I'm beating myself up because I'm not meeting this expectation that I'm supposed to have. And I have to remind myself like, hey, Tara, hey, Kanji, you've never done this before. You're allowed to be a learner. You're allowed to be a first time figuring it out. Mom, it's okay. You know, you, you don't, you're not supposed to be knocking it out of the park on day one. This is day one. Everybody has a day one. But now we're on day like 3,900. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, but hey, if you brought me a two-year-old, I'd kill it. Now, I don't know about raising teenagers yet. I'm going to learn as I go. I think you may have said the wrong way. If I bring you a two-year-old, oh, I would kill it. Family, I would, wait. I would be an excellent mother. Don't don't, don't bring your toddler to Tara's house. You see what's going to happen. She yeah, like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I, let me retract. What I mean is, like an example would be, I have friends with toddlers right now. Mm-hmm. And when they call me and they're like, hair on fire, dot, dot, dot. Like we talked about this before. I'm way more like, oh, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's cool. You're good. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Because of another overused phrase, been there, done that. Been there, done that. How horrible a phrase was that? (laughs) It was terrible. I just, we get in these, in these, in these, in these areas of life where phrases and words and things start to get used Mm -hmm. and then they get overused Mm -hmm. and then they get overused ad nauseum and Mm -hmm. then it's like oh my gosh if I hear one more person say that yeah I'm gonna like yeah would you say can we come up with a new way kick someone in the throat (laughs) punch someone in the throat (laughs) but but we're nonviolent people so we obviously wouldn't do that and but I'm rolling my eyes and I keep forgetting that when I'm wearing my mask out in the very few times I go in public that people can still see my eyes I make faces and I'm like, oh, they can't see the smirk on my mouth. But I was like, but they can clearly see your eyes rolling to the back of your eyes. And I have to make sure that I tell myself, Kanji, tell your face to use its inside voice (laughs) because I have the most expressive face in the world. And I just can't hide the disdain when people say things like, oh, been there, done that. Or just fake it till you make it, girl. No, I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to be my authentic self. I'm going to show up and be authentic. And unfortunately, it's not going to go over well with some people in some circles. But the most important circles that it goes over with are one, myself, Mm -hmm. internally. Like Mm -hmm. I have to get to a point now when I'm in the second half of life where I'm okay with who I am and admitting when things are struggling. And most importantly is I want my family my son, who I'm trying to model good behavior for, to realize you need to be authentic and engaged mm-hmm. and honest in how you're feeling and be okay with it. And mm-hmm. for him to see me struggle a little bit mm-hmm. and not always have things down and, and be willing to say like, oops, I made a mistake mm-hmm. or thank you for correcting me and making me better. Yeah, I think it says a lot about him and what his development is going to be. I, I agree with you. Um, I'll tell you a really funny short story. When Gage was three and he was just starting to go to Montessori school and he had a uniform and we were walking out the door or we were getting ready to go and I realized I hadn't washed his uniform so he didn't have one. So he'd wear a different shirt. And all the way there, I was concocting this story like, uh, well, I'll just tell him that he spilled something on it as we were working. On it. I didn't want to tell him I didn't do the laundry. So I was like, I'm just going to tell him like he spilled something on it. And so we had to change it real fast. So sorry, blah, blah, blah. And before we got there, I realized he's going to hear me tell that lie. <laughs> My three-year-old 
is going to hear me tell that lie. And what does that lie mean? And so when I walked him in, I go, guys, I'm sorry. I didn't get the laundry done. So this is a shirt he's wearing. And he was the reason, like you said. I mean, it was because how could I stand in front of him and like tell this lie to make myself look better, you know? Yeah. But a lot of times we do. Yeah. I'm not saying I've done that perfectly ever since, but (laughs) in that moment. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But how empowering was that? And then you paused. Mm-hmm. And then you did it. That's great. You were modeling such great behavior for yeah. your child. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's uh, it's one of those things where I think that's one of the ways they really sharpen us and force that growth on us mm-hmm. because we can't just keep getting away with like old behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the other phrase that I would say that is overused and has become much more overused since I've been a parent is because I said so. <laughs> And I've had to get to a point where my son, who is a right fighter, Mm -hmm. he is my social justice advocate and warrior. He believes in fairness and equality. And when he sees it, he gets upset. Mm -hmm. And he needs to have a reason or rationale behind everything. Mm -hmm. So if I am doing something or I ask him to do something, he's like, well, mommy, why? Well, what is the reason you're asking me to do this? You didn't do this yourself. He's like, well, why do I have to put my phone down at the dinner table? You're on your phone at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And- I can no longer get away with because I said so, which right. clearly my mom got away with. I mean, and gets away with like I'm 46 years old and she's still going to tell me that. And still I, in fear. <laughs> but now it's like, OK, well, let me get on my A game in terms of parenting and mothering. It's like, well, what is a good reason that I can give to this kid that's going to be honest and authentic and say, well, you're absolutely right. I should not be on my phone in this moment. And I messed up yeah and i can put it down yeah it's like thank you for calling me out and making me better yeah Ugh. when they get old enough to actually tell you and and turn a mirror on you God. yeah i say being a mom <laughs> is seeing the worst parts of yourself <laughs> sprouted in the right back child. in your like, face Ooh, I, I got you see this is this is what they mean by karma <laughs> this is how it comes this back around guys definitely comes <laughs> what goes around comes around another, another overused phrase. overused phrase yes. that's hilarious and so as we uh as we were talking about some overused phrases mm. and got a little little deep with some of these stories and, and and talking about sometimes bringing back old stories of things that happened to our kids when they were younger mm-hmm. really just takes us back. Yeah. It makes me realize how quickly everything is going by, even though 2020 has kind of gone in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, you look back over the years and it's it's gone by really quickly. It's gone by very quickly. We've been talking a whole lot about how, you know, Gage is only eight years out. I mean, we're over halfway through this whole having him in the house and want to snuggle us situation. You hope. <laughs> I hope, yeah. You, you know, he's going to be 32 years he old. Might. <laughs> he's threatened it before. Like, I'll sleep with you guys and I'll work and go on vacation and I'll just stay in the house. <laughs> we're like, ooh. <laughs> See, that's why I don't make it very comfortable for Roman. Because when he goes around, he can have whatever he wants for dinner. He will not be having ramen. He'll come over. He'll come home from, from college. Like, mommy, did you make me home cook meal? Mommy made you ramen. That's just like right. you had it in college. Just like back in the day <laughs> that's funny but i will make dinner this weekend again i'll make him some salmon and spinach because that's what he loves that's what's hot that's hot wasn't that a paris hilton phrase back in yes. the early 2000s okay yes that's an old one yes it was a very old one and luckily no one says that anymore so before we get ready to wrap it up let me know a couple of phrases that you think are on your overused phrase list for 2020. Okay, I'm going to bring it real current to 2020. Okay. And I could do without the new normal. 
I could do without that phrase. Yeah. Can we, just- I, can we just toss it and let's just call it normal now? Like, it's not the new normal. It's just normal now. <laughs> can we just do that? <laughs> I get so, I, and I, and it's so permeated, you know, you have these calls with people all the time and it just comes up every time, every conversation I have. Well, now in our new normal. <laughs> It's just normal. It's just normal, guys. It's not new anymore. Okay, so note to self, Conj, you don't ever say that around yeah, take Tara. Take that one out. She's going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> and what's another one that you have? Um, Another one I have. I could, uh, another one that's sort of pandemic related, and then I'll give you a fun one. But my, I think another one that's sort of uh, related to current events is in these times. In, in these, these unprecedented, unprecedented times. times. Yes. <laughs> Can we please have precedent? Exactly right. And I, and it's funny, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, this all felt okay. But now that we're what, nine months into this thing, mm-hmm. I'm just like, guys, these are just the times now. These That's kind of how I feel about it. Like, this is just it. <laughs> this, yes, this is not the new normal. That's right. This is just normal. Just normal. These are just the times <laughs> now. And then um, we were talking about funny slang ones that you were talking about in the conversation. I think the one that I could really, and I, and I think it's on its way out, but I'm, I could never hear on fleek again and be pretty okay with Hello. it. <laughs> there was a, so on fleek was something that I think that started in urban dictionary or uh, urban culture and black people were using it a lot. And then it kind of got appropriated in it white culture. Did. And the first time that I heard a 50 year old white woman saying mm. it's on fleek, I said, Ooh, this is going <laughs> it's out over. the door. It's That's over. over. It's over. <laughs> as soon as we, as soon as we go out, it's over. <laughs> but, but, but because I'm also really behind on the times uh-huh. sometimes when my kid is telling me things it's like it's on tiktok and then he knows it and then about five months later i know it uh-huh. and then i use it and he's like that's not that's not that's not hot anymore mom that's not the <laughs> you bomb can't use that like, one that's anymore not, that's not the <laughs> saying isn't that what you kids say it's like a couple of years ago when they were all doing um when was it last summer when it was old town road oh yeah and i got in my car i was like oh this is a new song it's out he was like it's, it's not even new. It's, it's old mom. It's We're on old. to the next one. I, I just learned the words. And, this and the just remix. hit me. <laughs> Keep it going for another five months. That's right. But the last phrase that I have, and again, it's probably gone the way of been there, done that, or fake it till you make it. A phrase that is probably gone out the window now, but I was really saying it way too much in 2020 has been like, oh, going to get turned up. It's like, oh, it's turned. Am, I hope so. Is, am I don't I hear it anymore. I'm late to the game. No, I mean, it, it was st- no, I still see it sometimes, but it was really prevalent. Maybe, maybe late last year, maybe early this year. Yeah. We don't know what's happening to time. I, I don't. I, no, I don't. I, somebody was just saying the other day, like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. And I'm like, guys, it's not going to automatically switch to different <laughs> on January 1st. Like, let's slow down. Let's slow down and just <laughs> pause and enjoy the season we're in. Yeah. And Give ourselves a little bit of grace and going into the last two months of this year, there's some things that we're doing and just to making sure that we're keeping our space healthy and authentic. Yeah. So what is something that you're going to do in the next couple of months just to kind of take care of you, Mama Tar? Wait, wait, that's not your name. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, did you just nickname me again? That's that's an interesting one. (laughs) Something you're going to do to take care of you, Mama Tara. so mine's a little mine's a little different. So we've talked about me being in recovery before, and I'm actually in the middle of um, some pretty intense recovery work, some studies that I'm doing as far as like reflection on areas of my life that 
I want to be more authentic in. It's actually very prevalent right now to our conversation. Um, so I've been doing that and the one I'm working in right now has been really good for me and I have another one lined up right after this. So that's one thing I've been doing. Uh, you, you and I have talked about, I'm in therapy still regularly. And, um, and then the other thing I'd say, you know, that's just regular is that I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting time for myself. You know, Mm -hmm. we were in the house all together for a very long time. And now with Gage back at school, I'm getting a little bit more time on my own. And I'm just trying to make sure that I, I take some space for myself, get some separation, get some quiet time. How about you? I have been neglecting some of the things I really, really enjoy doing. And some of it is forced because of medical issues. As you know, I love um, indoor cycling. I love spinning and I have a couple of spin bikes in my house. So it makes it makes no sense that I don't use it. Just decor. Yeah. It's like, what are you using that Peloton for? Oh, it's a hanger. <laughs> now it goes hanger. But because of some medical issues, I have not been able to exercise. And I'm really hopeful that I get clearance to be able to resume working out because for me, it just sets the tone for my day. Yeah, I love early morning workouts because I feel accomplished and I feel strong. I know that the first few weeks, it's going to be a challenge getting back into a routine and knowing that I've just lost some of the strength that I had yeah. last year and, and for the years before that. But it's something I'm looking forward to doing. And I also have not been able to take a bath in like five months. Mm. And so I'm really looking forward to a bath and having Calgon take me away. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm going to do. And just like you said, taking more time to be intentional and aware of what I'm doing and what I'm feeling and also reaching out and connecting to people and letting them know when I need help or when I just need someone to take Roman for a couple of hours, yeah. you know, and be like, you know, we've been together for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Can, can he come over and hang out with you? And I'll do the same for you. Like, hey, bring your kids over here and I'll watch them for a few hours. So yeah. yeah. And I'll feed them ramen noodles for dinner because that's what I do. <laughs> and they will love it. And they will love it. And they will love me because hashtag I'm just doing the best doing we the can. Doing the best we can. Yeah. So that's it. So we're going to go ahead and sign off for another episode. And if you're listening to this episode in real time, you were listening to it the week of the elections here mm-hmm. in the United States. And if you're listening from the future, thank you for coming back and listening in. So it's going to be a, a challenging time. Be mindful of what we're going through as a country mm-hmm. and what each other is going through and try to just be good. Let's be kind to each other and be kind to our kids and our spouses and our friends and our neighbors. Because at the end of the day, we are all in this together and all of us, moms, dads, kids, we're all just hashtag doing the best we can. <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us again. We love having you every week, as you know. Please be sure to come and talk to us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Black and White Momcast. We would love to hear what you think the overused phrase is this year. <laughs> if you're listening to us on Apple or you're listening to us on Google, you can subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, you can follow. Please leave us those reviews. We love hearing from you. We'd love to know what you think of the show. And uh, we appreciate all of you listening in. We appreciate you. Have a great week and take good care.